Mark chapter 6, beginning at verse 7. Mark 6, beginning at verse 7. If you're able, stand with us. Mark 6, beginning at verse 7. Yeah, you got that tonight, man. And he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Look at somebody now. Say, neighbor, you got the power. Don't put up with mess. Okay. He commanded them to take nothing for their journey except the staff, no bag, no bread, no copper in their money belts, but to wear sandals and not to put on two tunics. Also, he said to them, in whatever place you enter a house, stay there till you depart from that place. And whoever will not receive you nor hear you when you depart from there, shake the dust under your feet as a testimony against them. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. So they went out and preached that the people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Look at somebody say, neighbor, I got to handle my challenges. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. This is Handling Life Challenges. This is part eight of the Sermon of the Bible Study series we have been in the midst of. I, I love this text. I, I know some of you probably thought I picked all the meat off the bone last week, and I did in some respects, but there's still too much there. It's interesting if you read the text closely enough, the text suggests that Jesus is now fulfilling the promise that he made to his disciples. If you didn't write down this, write Mark chapter one, verse 17 down, just to keep in that text there, if we're staying in Mark for the moment, Mark tells us that what Jesus says to them is follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Jesus' initial promise to them was that they were going to duplicate his efforts and they were going to become fishers of men. But then Jesus then sends them out, and when he sends them out, he sends them out to preach a gospel, not completely unlike the gospel of, of John. Mark chapter 1 verse 4 helps us understand what John did. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. And so John has a ministry where he's baptizing. If you notice, at this stage in their ministry, Jesus does not tell them to baptize. He just tells them to preach. Stay with me here. John has a ministry of baptizing. John's ministry is a ministry of complete conversion, a repentance of sin, a metanoia, a complete turnaround, replete with a proselyte-type baptism so that the person who had been birthed afresh, who had come into this knowledge of a better way of living, would acknowledge it publicly by being baptized. Now, now, what I have to understand is something different as well. If you notice, Jesus' message is different than the one that he gives to his disciples. Jesus tells his disciples, go and preach. He tells them to preach what the good news. But in Jesus' own message, according to Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he says to them, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand repent 
and believe in the gospel. He does not give them kingdom of God message at this point now. It will not be until after the day of Pentecost that they have a kingdom mantle put upon them that they are sent out with the full kingdom message indistinguishable from the one that Jesus had given earlier. It's important to see one other thing that's interesting here, that in this text, Jesus tells them that I want you to go out, and if you notice what he says to them, if you, let's go back and let's look at the verse real quick. It says he gave them power over unclean spirits. And now, it's interesting, the text says over unclean spirits, and never there quite mentioning healing embedded in the conversation of unclean spirits was the total conversation of both demons issues and healing combined and so when he gave them the power how do i know that because if you get down to verse 13 it says and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them are you with me so far so they had power and anointing to confront the enemy, but they also had the anointing to pray for the sick. God was going to use them in a miraculous way. Now, it's interesting to note that the use of oil, and particularly olive oil, was used as a medicinal purpose or as a panacea, if you will, as something that would be put there to bring about healing in the natural. So that people used olive oil naturally as a way for medicinal purposes to bring forth healing. How do we know that? We can see it in the scriptures in Luke chapter 10, verse 34. When you read the story of, we call it the Good Samaritan, it is the Good Samaritan that does what? He does not simply pray for him and his recovery. Luke 10, 34 says, so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine the wine would have been to help clean it the oil would have been to heal it he set him on his own animal brought him to the inn and took care of him oil was used as a panacea as a part of healing medicine but the Bible tells us that the post-Pentecostal church picked up on this apostolic authority that was transferred by Jesus to the church and transferred to us through the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in James chapter 5 that there was an anointing in the church. Now some people want to say that the anointing ceased at the end of the apostles. I want to call them foolish and liars and living beneath their privilege. There's nothing in my Bible that said it stopped. And if the Bible doesn't say it stopped, then I don't know why you want to cut off a blessing. There are a lot of other things the Bible says stop and you don't stop them. The good stuff you want to cut off, act like God ain't doing. God is still in the healing business. Y'all, you, you don't even know when to shout. 
Listen, God is still in the healing business. James chapter 5 verse 14 says what? Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him or her, anointing him with oil in the name of the, whoo, the Lord. That'll make you shout right there. The, the, the early church believed that the anointing didn't stop with Jesus. It got kicked off with Jesus. Y'all don't hear me. Matter of fact, let me do this this way. What Jesus did the first time by sending them out two by two, he would do later sending out the 70. Because what Jesus was trying to do was to exponentially increase his impact by placing his anointing on people. Y'all missed it, went over your head. I'm going to try and bring it back again. Jesus says that I can exponentially increase my impact in the earth realm if I will give people power in the earth realm as my ambassadors in ministry to do the good work that I'm doing. And that's why Jesus could say, and greater works shall you do because I go to the Father. Jesus' ministry is relegated to the area in which he was ministering in, Jerusalem, Judea. That, his ministry is in a tight, confined space. His 33 years are spent in a tight ratio but because of the impact of his imparting his power unto people his ministry is global y'all missed that it because he even parts the ministry by extension the ministry leads from Jerusalem into Judea into Samaria and then into the uttermost parts of the earth and we know that we cover it all let me help somebody. That's why I can't stand leaders that won't share power. Because what you have to know is that God has more people he can use than just you. But what's interesting here is if Jesus has in mind this issue of healing and, and the issue of cursing and casting out demons then that says something about Jesus and there's a message undergirding all of this that message is that Jesus cares about your physical well-being that ought to make somebody get happy right there he cares about your physical well-being and not just your spiritual well-being preach whilst I'm trying to listen he cares about your physical being as much as he cares about your spiritual being that's why I thank God that he had a holistic approach he cared about the total person mind body and soul oh this is working right now I think we got a little something here we got some, it's exciting because what Jesus cares about is what we need to know. That the soul salvation is not to be to the exclusion of the total salvation or the whole salvation. 
whenever I come against demons, I'm coming against some things. Watch this. Yeah, I just, I want to do a quick de-alliteration. I'm coming against death. I'm coming against disease. I'm coming against distractions. I'm coming against destruction. I'm coming against delays. I'm coming against denials. I'm coming against denigrations. I'm coming against defeat. I'm coming against depression, right? Coming against despair. When I come against demons, I'm coming against everything the devil has tried to do to ruin your life. Okay, all right, all right. I got, I got, I got four minutes. I got 50 minutes worth of material. Watch this. Let, let me, let me, I want to give you three points to take home. I'll come back next time and break them down. But three things I want you to take home. Because Jesus taught them three lessons. I ask myself, as you ought to ask yourself when you read a scripture, I ask, why this, why now? In other words, why was Jesus doing this and why was he doing it at the time he was doing it in? Why is he doing this with his disciples? And, and, and are any disciples in here right now? I'm just looking for disciples. If you're a disciple, you need to understand something. That, that leadership, number one, that, that, that if you're going to handle life's challenges, you must realize three things. The first thing you need to realize is that leadership must be asserted. Asserted. To assert is to take one's place, one's position, to, to move into what God wants you to be in. Leadership must be asserted. Let me, let me give you this. Uh, when I say leadership must be asserted, I want to suggest two things that Jesus was doing in the A and B under leadership must be asserted. The first thing was Jesus wanted them to gain confidence in their new role. See, they needed to have confidence personally. You can put that back on the screen one more time. He wanted them to gain confidence personally. You, you, need to know, you need to know this. Sometimes you're asked to do stuff you're unsure you can do. And once you get it done, you begin to become confident in it. And Jesus says, I need to put you out the nest. Stir the nest up now so that I can get you to become more confident in who you are in me. Oh, I'm trying to work on somebody right now. Listen, he wants them to gain confidence personally. The, the B portion in there, watch this. He wanted them to earn their own authority with the people. As long as Jesus is standing near them, they know that it's Jesus and everybody's looking at Jesus. But Jesus says, I'm commissioning you so that when they don't see me, they will see me in you. See, if you, if you need somebody, just tap them real quick. Say, neighbor, can you see Jesus in me? Please don't answer me if you don't see him. They needed to earn their own authority. They needed to be able to get their respect from the people they were going to minister to. I want to help somebody here. Sometimes we get frustrated when people won't follow us. It may be because we haven't earned our authority yet. 
And sometimes we haven't earned our authority by the way we've carried ourselves in front of the people so the people don't respect us in our positions. Sometimes we haven't earned our authority because we weren't there with the people when they were doing the work. You can't come in after when somebody else has the calluses and tell them how to do the job. Okay, I'm out of time, y'all. Can I get these last two points real quick? I promise I'll come back. I promise I'll give it again. But let me get the last two points. The second thing they needed to give, number two, number two, this is number two. They needed to understand the, that limitations must be acknowledged. Limitations must be acknowledged. Now, now understand, Jesus is the one that acknowledges the limitations first. So that you have to understand his limitations are our limitations. So you ought not to get frustrated when things don't go like you want them to go. And particularly when people have a lot to do with how they go. I know it went over your head. You didn't get it yet. Okay. Jesus says, you're going to go to a city. And when you get there they may not receive you i'm preparing you last week i said for what discouragement stay with me he he tells them that because he knows that there's been places he's gone wait a minute you mean he who came down through 40 and two generations born of the virgin mary he who can walk on water went someplace and he couldn't do what he wanted to do? Okay, y'all, y'all, see, here's the Bible says, he says, he went one place, he said, because of their unbelief, he could do no mighty work there. Okay, let, let, me, let me do it like this. Can I, can I give y'all this? Would, would you put this on screen? Don't, don't persist in lost causes. Don't persist in lost causes. Don't persist in lost causes. Sometimes you just got to cut some stuff off. He said, I'm, I don't want you hanging around. Don't be crying and commiserating. Some stuff you ain't going to fix. Don't persist in lost causes. Shake dust, keep moving. Look at somebody say, shake dust, keep moving. Now do it again. Look at somebody say, neighbor, shake dust, keep it moving. Oh, if I'm not teaching in this place tonight. I told y'all I felt an anointing. Listen, <laughs> listen, I need you to understand this. I'm not responsible for results. Look at somebody now say, neighbor, I'm not responsible for results. That's handled at a higher level than me. Got to go. I got to go. 
I need to stop. Why y'all keep making me teach? Y'all know I'm out of time. Okay, so if I'm not responsible for results, then I must be responsible for something or I'd just be an irresponsible joker walking around. So let me give you what you're responsible for. I'm, I'm gonna give you these things real fast, quick, quick, fast, and in a hurry. I know. Pastor Johnny Burns, quick, fast, and in a hurry. He go, number one, I'm responsible for positioning. Positioning. That is being where I'm supposed to be when I'm supposed to be there. I'm responsible for being in position. I can't make nothing happen, but if I'm not in position, I can't help it from happening. I can't make it get where God wants it to be. All right? Underneath that, I'm, gonna get, I'm going right to it. I don't have time to linger, so it's me. I'm responsible for preparing. Preparing. And A, B, and C, it's on the screen right now. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I'll break those down next time I come back. I really will. But I thought you wanted them, so I gave them to you. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Sometimes people get, get upset with me. I don't like late weddings on Saturdays. I really, I don't even like to go out on Saturday. So sometimes I try my best. I, I, Lord, y'all don't know. I try to just pop in and say hello, but you don't know what it takes out of me to do it. And why, do, why does it take so much out of me? Because I try to narrow myself in to the kingdom. Because I know, just like you know, if you get around a lot of people, get to talking, you start absorbing. And before you know it, what you're hearing in the streets coming out in the pulpit. If you notice I don't ever preach gossip, there's too much Bible. I don't need to preach about your business. Find yourself in the word. I'm preaching it. Are you following me? Listen, but I also know this. I, Gardner, Gardner Calvin Taylor, pastor, wonderful pastor, on the Lord of Concord Baptist Church in Brooklyn, New York, said that we owe preachers owe the Lord two things Sunday morning, a well-prepared mind and a rested body. The vessel needs to be ready to do ministry. And I see preachers running all around Canada, and then you can't preach on Sunday. I, I ain't got no respect for that. If you're going to be up, be up. Yeah, okay, I got to hurry. Why y'all make me stop? All right, the, 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 the C underneath that, positioning, preparing, and the, the C is what? Huh? My clothes. <laughs> I'm responsible for preaching. That's what it's all about. And we are all responsible for the word. Why do you think it is in any Jewish uh, uh, synagogue you go to, when the word is being read, everyone stands? When prayers are being prayed, everyone prays, and at the end, everyone says amen, as though they are co-signing to the prayer. This is not a one-person operation. This is the body of Christ. We're together in this thing. 
who's ever standing in the sacred behind the sacred desk. This is all of us. Okay, last point, and I said I was gonna be done. Woo! Okay, this is it. Number three, this is the leadership must be asserted, limitations must be acknowledged, and number three, lessons must be accepted. I'm not gonna say nothing about it other than to say this. You can teach folk whatever you want to teach them. But if you don't receive it, it becomes null and void. Come on here real quick. If your soil is so hard because you're mad at everybody, including God, you can't get what God wants to give you. If your soil is hardened because of bias and prejudice and anything, you can't get what God has for you. And some of us come into church as though somebody has to bring the jackhammer of the Holy Ghost to break up the cement of your heart to get you started. There's something, come on son, there's something God wants to do in you and as you face what you have to face. I do not know about tomorrow. I just live from day to day I don't worry all the future for the skies may be cloudy or gray every head bowed every Many things, every head bow, about tomorrow. I just don't seem to understand, but I know who. Hopes tomorrow, and I know he holds my hand. God, we love you, we worship you. Many things. We thank you for what you're doing about. We know you're real tomorrow. I just can't seem to understand. 
you're real, God. I'm helping somebody right now. But I know, I know, I know, I know who holds the future. Come on, Jose. And I know. Somebody worried right now, but I know, I know yours. Oh.